Oh, my goodness. A waiter. A waiter. Yeah. Yes, waiter. I'm going to have a Bloody Mary. Yeah, make it extra spicy. It's so nice to be at brunch with my boys. Yep. Here in the snake pit. I'm on my third Bellini. Ooh. Oh, man. That's extra spicy Bellinis for me, too. Yeah. Oh, and can I get eggs Benedict? Benedict. It's pretty loud in here, guys. Sorry. We, uh, whew, huge crowd. Garcon. Yeah, we decided to do the... The, 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 old, the old Square Podcast live today on location at brunch. Yep. We're all, we're all happy we can do brunch again. Yeah, it's, I'm just having a liquid brunch. Hey, that's fine. You're a Bloody Mary person. I never was. I can't get into Bloody Marys. Uh, Bloody Marys are fantastic. What, what's good about them? Uh, yeah, well, you, gotta, you have to... It's got to be a lot of worse sure and celery salt. Okay. All right. So you basically don't taste the, the, the tomato. Hmm. I'll stick to my mimosa. Thank you very much. Yeah. Round of mimosas! Hey, over here. Round of mimosas, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we got a very special guest today joining us at, at, at brunch in the Snake Pit. Um, we we got the, the guy who brought us mimosas on Sunday morning, Mister mm. Mister uh, Assemblyman Patrick Burke. Yeah, former Leaf County legislator mm-hmm. who fixed Erie County for us. Yeah, he fixed he it all it. up. He did it. Yeah, we have yeah Patty Burke. We're talking all of the political machinations. He's our he's our man. In, in office, you know, give us a little bit of insight. We go into uh, all the big races, and, uh, you know, we brunch it up. Not actually. Yeah, we're, we're just having a little bit of a fever dream brunch. right now. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Where uh, am it, I? <laughs> Why am I in your basement, Ryan? <laughs> I oh. thought I was at Cafe Aroma, and all of a sudden, like, ah, I'm in the snake pit. Yeah. The dream's broken. Hey, it was fun while well, it lasted, right? Yeah. I'm sure our listeners can can relate. Can to I still a, have a mimosa? A little, little bit of imagination. We'll get you some mimosas. All right, great. But it, but it's going to be like I don't know some vodka and 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 whatever cranberry juice I have. In the That's fridge. fine. That's whatever whatever I have. If it's before noon, I call it mimosa, no matter what it is, as long as it's got booze in it. Perfect. All right, and welcome back to The Square. Guys, we have an action-packed week ahead of us here. A lot of stuff happened. We had a lot of fun last week with Queen City Roller Derby, but that was more of a candy. It was good candy. It was, it was like primo candy, like, uh, like a Reese's Cup or a Snickers. Or a bit of honey. Yes. <laughs> yes, a bit of honey. A controversial bit of honey. Yeah. Yes. Same with good and plenty. But this week... We got the good, ve- we got those roasted vegetables. Like we've got like the butter on them. They're coming straight out the oven. It's hot. Smothered with cheese. Smothered with cheese. And smothering it with cheese with us is State Assemblyman Pat Burke. Pat, what's up, man? Hey, everybody. How you doing? Good. I don't know how you guys talked me into doing this. <laughs> <laughs> no takesies, backsies. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Pat, Pat's going to be chopping it up with us today. Uh, he's going to give us his honest and straightforward answers as an elected official, or he's going to deflect them like the master politician that he is. So, 
master politician. Yeah. That's what they call me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Pat, I'm gonna we're gonna touch on a just real quick a very controversial subject. How about Thank our you, local yeah. hockey team, Pat? How do you feel about our just trash fire Buffalo Sabers? I don't know. I haven't watched it. I've tried to avoid. <laughs> Has, hasn't been good. Yeah, no, it hasn't been good. Uh, I've watched a little bit, but um, to know how much talent's on the team and then to see their performance, uh, I hate to beat up on one guy, but, uh, you know, the coach is just, he doesn't have that Lindy Ruff fire. You know, if, if like, I, I had my criticisms of Lindy Ruff, but uh, if his team was playing like this, those guys would be doing suicides on the ice all day, every day, until they decided they were going to play with some heart. And I can accept a loser, but I can't accept a soft loser. Like, if you show grit and you do what you got to do and, you, and your just talent isn't there, then, okay, we got to get better players. But we have a very talented team. They're just they're just soft. And and the coach, you know, even how he theorizes things after, after losses, there's a lack of passion and uh, – in, or even if you were being intellectual about it, that would be fine too. But if you're intellectual about it, then you put your talented players in positions to score, and he doesn't do that either. So uh, I, I think I think we got to turn the page on this one, and and uh, you know we we got to do better all around. And if it means trading players away, like I don't care. Like, yeah. like that's what's the worst that could happen? You could be a weak, soft hockey team. Like it's we're already there. We're at right. the bottom. So move whoever. Including Jack Eichel, move whoever has to be moved. It's always a mistake to, unless that player is Mario Lemieux or Wayne Gretzky or Dominic Hasek, like centering your team around one guy as a savior, it never it never works. But the good news is now you can go watch them. So, so yeah. now that you can, maybe you could join as like the assistant coach, you could just go down there as, as sit right behind them and tell them what to do. For, that, for what they're paying, they don't pay enough. <laughs> <laughs> For what they're pulling off, yeah, they're ten percent yeah. of the arena is going to be uh, filled now, uh, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Sure. So sure. you'd be uh, able to hear all the boos. In other sports news, real quick, I have to get this out because yep. it matters to me. Uh, but our local St. Bonaventure Bonnies are uh, a ten division champs as of yesterday. So uh, I threw up "local" in quotation marks. By the way. <laughs> Olean's uh, St. Bonaventure Bonnie's. Uh, it's, they're, they're part of the Buffalo news media news market. Barely. You, know, you, like, you went to Timon, right? I did. Yeah. I mean, when I, so when I was in time, it was before all the Bonnie scandals. Uh, we watched, you know, when they were really good and, and actually competing, like we would watch the games in school. Like we would, oh, we would, awesome. we would take half days for school and watch the games in our classroom. So <laughs> I feel, I feel like they're pretty local. Yeah. Pat, we could have a whole podcast about like things that people did at time in just to like not <laughs> do work in school. Like we could probably just go for stories on that for hours. Yeah. But well, yes, good good job, Bonas. Congrats. Um, moving on from one embattled leader to another, Pat. We are talking about our uh, our, our poor, unfortunate small bean governor Andrew Cuomo. It's not good, folks. Did you say what happened? happened? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, it's not looking good for uh, for Prince Andy. What do you say, guys? I mean, it didn't look good for him before the sexual harassment allegations char- and charges came forward. 
But now that like we've got Lindsay Boylan and Charlotte Bennett coming forth, you've got two different uh, accusers. It, it 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 was bad when it was just the nursing home deaths and threatening members of the assembly. That was bad, anyways. Now that you've got the sexual harassment charges, or the uh, sound pretty credible. Which yeah, mm-hmm. I mean you. I think it's always right to believe the accusers until proven otherwise. Um, but I mean, we're going to be hopefully getting some sort of investigation to this. Uh, hopefully some independent investigation. It can't be like Jacob, right? No, it's got, yeah. it's got to be something from like the attorney general's office. Yeah. That's, that's the push is to have uh, Tish James who already released a report. Like she's already established her independence from the governor. Um, you know, I, w- I would say, I think all of these allegations should be taken seriously. I, I guess I'm always a little hesitant to just say, well, you should believe anyone who is accusing someone of something. I think, I think you have to take, you have to give them credibility and do your due diligence. Um, because for so long they'd been dismissed or powerful people were able to exercise that power against, against smaller individuals that they were abusing. So, um, if these allegations are like, there's a proper investigation, which I'm the legislature is certainly working hard to make sure that there is a truly independent investigation. And if they are substantiated, then he has to resign. Like, and I'll say on, on two veins, uh, as both a leader in New York state and as a leader in the democratic party, we can't have someone like Andrew Cuomo, if these are substantiated being the head of either. Like, so it's, it's, it's the opposite of what we're supposed to represent in New York. It's certainly the opposite of what we're supposed to represent as a as a Democratic Party and what our values are. So those are maybe those are things that it was okay to be attached to political leaders, you know, 25, 30 years ago in the Bill Clinton era. uh, But it's not okay at all now. And we have to reject it and root it out at every point. So uh, we'll see where this goes. But you're right. It's not looking good for him. No, and Pat, you're not alone in that sentiment. Um, even national figures. So AOC, just as of today, we're recording on Sunday, uh, AOC came out with a statement calling for an independent investigation. Congressman Jerry Nadler also recently came out uh, with something similar to that effect. One of your colleagues in the Assembly, uh, Ron Kim, has actually called for impeachment of Andrew Cuomo before this. So there's clearly a lot of heat on the governor right now. Now you had previously you'd written an op-ed about calling to remove for his emergency powers. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that's something you you still stand by and and think I think it's a good idea. What the hell does he need all this power for? So I mean, so yeah, of course I I, I stand by that. It's um, it is like everything else. It's more complicated. So you have the surface of what you know. Yeah, we shouldn't give him extra power. A guy who really likes power, an office, the office of governor of New York already has a significant amount of power. And they've had that power, you know, since uh, the Al Smith days when they reformed the constitution to centralize power in the governor's office and take it away from the legislature. Um, So if we removed his emergency powers, though, he would still be able to actually, like he'd still have about 97% of what he has now. It's about 3% of his emergency powers were added uh, last year, but they're important ones. The big one is directives. So the power to uh, to change local laws and ordinances temporary for thirty days, 
during an emergency. So that would be the one we would pull. The governor would still argue that he has that authority under the old emergency powers. This was more a legal clarification. So it might create a legal battle, but we got to do it. Like there, like we have, I think there's no governmental or political excuse not to do it at this point. Mm -hmm. It just has, it has to be done. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, well, pivoting from the big stuff, I don't want to say, I don't want to dismiss it as smaller stuff, but a more local focus, shall we say, we've got some sure. big news happening here in Buffalo, in the city. We have uh, a couple big announcements in the mayoral race. First one, Byron Brown is seeking a fifth term as Buffalo's mayor. Mm -hmm. However, Byron Brown, who is seeking a fifth term for Buffalo's mayor, has done hardly any goddamn fundraising. Right. What are we... You are a... Are, are, you're a man on the street, Pat. You're our political man here. I am. You you are. All right. You're you're our guy. What's going on here? Why why do we think? Um, I mean, other than you know he likes being mayor and he wants to run again. But do you have any idea what maybe Byron Brown's strategy has been the past year or so, or what we're looking at here with this race? Uh, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about that. I think a lot of folks presumed that he wasn't going to run or that there was a sort of, you know, there would be a process where he runs outside of the party's endorsement and, or at least the ECDC's endorsement and carries his own petitions, which means he'd carry his own committee to fill vacancies, which means if he doesn't run, he could appoint who the, the mayoral candidate would be. Um, but that didn't happen. He, he got the, he got EC, ECDC's endorsement which means it'll be ECDC's petition, which means it'll be their committee to fill vacancies. Um, so I think he's running, and I think he will uh, win and get a fifth historic term as Buffalo's mayor. Uh, I don't know India Walton, um, but uh, I know she, she doesn't have political experience. And so if you're just sort of looking at the pie, she's going to get the anti Byron Brown, like any incumbent is going to have a certain percentage of people who are against them. So she's going to get that. And then she'll probably get part of her base and does her, whatever her, you know, left leaning base and the anti Byron Brown faction, does that account for enough to win? And I'm inclined to say not even close. Yeah. I, I agree with you that, that, I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting that she's running uh, good for her, that she's, a newcomer and she's decided to take an active role in politics. Um, the mayor's race is an awful hard thing to shoot for your first time going out. Um, you know, she does seem to have a, a pretty motivated base of volunteers, but I agree with you that, yeah, the, the anti-mayoral vote and the, her, the leftists that support her, is that enough to win the, the democratic primary? I don't think it's going to be close. Um, What's interesting is, though, that she did get the Working Families endorsement, and I two people who are probably very happy to hear that would be Kevin Harwick and Brian Gould. Of course. Because, you know, for our listeners at home who might not understand why they are, those are the two countywide Democratic candidates, and that there's going to be a November election in the city 
that matters. You know, the, the mayor's going to have to spend money and bring out votes in November because he can't take it for granted that the, the, the same people who voted against him in the Democratic primary won't show up on November and vote on the working families line. Um, there's going to be an election for mayor in November between two essentially Democratic candidates bringing out votes, bringing out the city, which should help the countywide candidates uh, down ballot. Yeah, um, it could. You know, I, I don't know how. I think people are sort of programmed in the city not to uh, even even that race. I don't know if people will take seriously, especially if he beats her really bad in the Democratic election. Um, I think there would have been there could have been other strategies to boost turnout in the city uh, that might have that could have included a referendum uh, on a, a number of other things, but that doesn't seem that didn't happen or isn't happening. Mm-hmm. So I think I think we're going to have an uphill battle with our countywides, our Democrats countywides. Uh, I like Kevin Hardwick. I worked with him for five years. Uh, the whole time I worked with him, he was a Republican. Um, but we, he was always he was always the easiest Republican to work with and broke from his conference all the time for a lot of the underhanded shit that they were doing. Now, and Jim, you mentioned India getting the Working Family Party endorsement. Um, I think that's a much bigger deal than I think maybe you guys are uh, attributing to right now. Like, they're planting their flag in a race where they really didn't have to. Like, Working Families Party did not have to endorse a candidate. Uh, they could have stayed out of this one. And yet they, they are putting themselves out there um, for India. And I listen, I yes, I agree with you both. I think it's most likely going to be Byron's race to lose. But the fact that they probably took a look at Byron's fundraising and they took a look at, you know, maybe some of the sentiment here in the city and that you have a, a black woman running for that mayoral seat. I mean, I don't know. I think that is fairly significant. I think it says something to her potential viability and also to Byron's standing as, you know, as a, as a solid shoe in lock. Like, I don't think, I think the ground underneath him is not as steady as it used to be. And again, I'm just really shocked that man, he's done no fundraising. He's done like hardly anything. And maybe he doesn't need to right at this I mean, point. He's got, he's got like a hundred. I don't remember. He's got 120 in the bank. Like where that's not a lot of money for a mayoral race, but you know anyone if she start if she had 120 G's we'd all be like oh oh my god she can run a real campaign she's got 120 G's and then it's it's and then we look at him and he's like ah he's got no money like that tells you almost like how much further like he has every advantage. Um, so I I don't mean to cut you off. I didn't mean to cut no, you off. No no like, please. But so again. Buffalo is still like a a Euro ethnic divided city in a lot of ways. So you still have like these these pockets of there's still a Polish part of town, there's still an Irish part of town, an Italian part of town. Like, does anyone believe that India Walton's going into those parts of parts of the city of Buffalo and winning? Like I I don't. And then if you in a, is she gonna go into Maston and Ellicott and Fillmore? Is she gonna beat Byron Brown in those districts? I don't see that. I don't see how that's going to happen. Where is she going to get? Where is she going to get money from? Uh, I, I, I hear you. I just don't. I just don't know if I actually. Like, if I were doing the math, which I haven't, uh, <laughs> but if I were, I, I just, I just don't. You, you see went to a, time and pat that math. <laughs> lost cause. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree with you, Pat. I mean, you know, were she somebody who was like a known entity, say she was a common council member and she got the working families line, I'd be taking it a lot more seriously than I am somebody who's a total newcomer to politics who has to do this all outside of the organization of ECDC and City Hall. I mean, the mayor's got both ECDC and City Hall working for him on this campaign. That is a lot of fucking people who know what they're doing. You're all forgetting one important variable. India's got the Square podcast. Right, that's true. That's true. India's been on the... India, while the mayor, we invited him, he has not been on the podcast Standing offer. Uh, India did show up on on our podcast once, so she's going to get a massive bump from having been on our show. (laughs) (laughs) You raise, Pat, you do raise an, an interesting point, though, and something that I brought up on the show previous. Um, what, do you, what do you think of the likelihood of, shall we say, a South Buffalo candidate for mayor? We, we've seen precedent before. Obviously, you know, Kevin Helfer, Mickey Kearns. I, I think with the candidates who have already announced, it is very primed for somebody from South Buffalo to say, hey, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. Yeah, but who would do that? Uh, so out of the South Buffalo electeds, um, well, Scott Wilson uh, has announced his candidacy and he's right. from South Buffalo, but you know he's very young uh, and, and doesn't have any uh, you know sort of uh, political support. Say that, uh, and then if you're looking at the electeds, if you included me, which you can't because I don't live there, I don't I don't live in the city anymore. But <laughs> so if you include the electeds that are there, you've got. You know, Higgins, uh, out of the Democrats, you've got Higgins, uh, Scanlon, and Kennedy. So who's going to—I don't, I don't see any of those three running for mayor against Byron Brown. So who, who, who could it possibly be? I guess we'll have to run Mickey Kearns back. <laughs> uh, as Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> I like Mickey, but I don't. I don't think he's going to have much success in a Democratic primary. No, I don't think so either. Well, it's going to be interesting, and uh, yeah. Moving on to another yeah. big race, Jim. Speaking of Democratic primaries, or one that was avoided, it looks like um, Gould getting the endorsement from ECDC for sheriff. Now you didn't. Sure. You didn't endorse Kim Beatty, right? Yeah. So um, in my mind, so Kim Kim Beatty was. Uh, the most qualified person. Uh, she actually did the, tr- uh, when I had talked to her, she did the training uh, for most of the other, actually all of the other candidates in the race. So she trained Gould. Uh, so the idea that we would you know, sort of pass over the most qualified person mm-hmm. uh, if, who's also a black woman uh, in the, in the you know, post Kamala Harris, uh, Stacey Abrams, America, uh, for someone that she trained, it, it seemed a little bit offensive to me, and uh, and I certainly didn't want to be on the record taking that position. I also have have concerns about you know in the, where the Democratic Party is right now, running at, at the top of our slate, you know, two largely you know conservative uh, white males against an all female slate from the Republicans. And I'm generally not a box checker like that, mm-hmm. but. But the reality we live in, uh, I, I think we, I think Democrats win by inspiring people to go vote, and I'm not, I'm not sure if, if playing the game 
that we're playing right now is the most effective way to do it. But uh, I, you know, I'm not I'm not the uh, emperor of Erie County, so I don't I don't make these decisions exclusively. So uh, clearly, other people felt differently than I did. Well, it's interesting that uh, Gould is. I mean, he's coming out of Chicago, so he's coming out of a big town. I think that's important for his electability. Um, if you're not going to come out of the city of Buffalo, then you need to come out one of the first ring suburbs for when you're pretty much an unknown. You know, it's one thing if you're Kevin Hardwick and you've been around for fucking ever. And so people know your name because you used to be on the radio or you've been a county legislator for a long time. And people might not even know what Kevin Hardwick does, but they know his name. Brian Gould sure. is coming out of this is the first time he's running for anything in the county. And it's a, a countywide race other than, you know, he probably was, uh, you know, an officer at his volunteer fire department. And, sure. Right. Um, I think it's important then for the electeds that for his electability, that if you're not coming out of the city, like Beatty was, then you got to come out of one of the first ring suburbs where you've got a larger base that hopefully you can appeal to. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is though, but by like what, what happened with Beatty, uh, you know, you've got a lot of people upset. So you've got Betty Jean Grant out there mm-hmm. who's really upset and saying things. So that, and then if they're re- reframing things that, uh, you know, black people, when they come from the city to try and go to the Galleria Mall, they've been harassed by, by Chituaga cops, you know, all that stuff. Uh, I don't think his disciplinary record was ever reviewed. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. from, from all the people I've talked to in those meetings, it never came up. Like, if there's one thing on his record that ties to anything like that we're done Mm -hmm. uh so i think i I obviously don't support the decision and you know i was very disappointed by the decision but it also is what it is and uh you know i'm not going to i I don't i don't want to cause a problem where we get another version of tim howard in the sheriff's office again you know in the end electing democrats i think makes people's lives better you know Broadly speaking, I think we have a better government and better society when Democrats are in power, uh, obviously compared to what we're seeing in the Republican Party nowadays. Uh, So, you know, I'll be there for it. But I just uh, I'm not I'm I just think it wasn't the best decision. Yeah. Well, speaking of Republicans running, uh, Garcia posted a a long I don't know if you saw this, but Pat, uh, I saw it mostly because Ree sent it to me. Uh, posted a long uh, introduction to himself uh, on Facebook. And um, he comes across as, it, it's, it's almost like a callback to the compassion of conservative days. Um, he talked about, you know, needing a new approach in 2020 to policing with uh, using, you know, a, approach to mental health awareness and drug addiction and poverty and that not everything can be handled by just, you know, by incarceration. And that even when there is incarceration, that the idea should be it's rehabilitation um, and you're working on doing the correct things to rehabilitate people so that there isn't um, reincarceration. Um, I mean, it's, it's really his post. It's, it's really it's not it's not left. It's always left of Karen Healy case. I mean, and left of Tim Howard. Sure. Um, but it's it's certainly fairly centrist, um, which is kind of surprising in the age of Donald Trump Republicans, and it 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 explains why he did not get the conservative or Republican endorsement in uh, a Carl Smith Nick Langworthy Republican Party. Yeah, I, I I didn't know any of that. I I do know that he's endorsed by like the 
what is it, the 1791 Club, though, yeah. which is a pretty uh, far-right entity. Yes. Um, so it kind of makes me pause and my antennas go up on how sincere that platform is, or is it just the lane he's trying to take away from, uh, if Karen Healy Case has already taken the MAGA lane and she's got the endorsements, then you can't run just like her. If she's the endorsed candidate, you'll lose. You've got to come up with something else. Yeah. So uh, that would be my thought. And and I think the other guy, is there another guy primarying? Yeah, <laughs> Stephen Falano, the oh, yes. QAnon guy. Okay. So... So if I think that sounds more like a, a, maybe a decent strategy, uh, especially also in a general election, if you're the reasonable person, uh, if you've got the Republican line, the Republicans are going to vote for the Republican. And then if and then you can pick off votes from moderates and and uh, people who are angry about the, the Kimbidi stuff in the general election. Mm-hmm. So. Because uh, he's also, you know, he's a person of color who lives in the city of Buffalo. Like, right. He, he, he also played up his bilingualism and, uh, you know, how much, you know, his background um, and his bilingualism has been so helpful in all of his roles in the city of Buffalo and, and, and throughout the county. And why, why is he Republican then? You know, if he's, yeah. so, if he's so open-minded and, and progressive and, and you know, his concerns are recidivism and, and reducing crime through and, and mental health and, He's not. He's not carrying the platform of the, of the current Republican Party. So why is he there? Uh, why is he running as a Democrat? Th- that's a good question. Well, it's interesting to see the script being flipped here, right, Jim? You often refer to the Republicans being able to get their people in lockstep, and the Democrats are the one notorious for you know everybody just kind of being all over the place and doing their own thing. In this case, the Democrats said, "Nope, Gould is going to be our nominee. That's it," and. He's going to be the nominee. Meanwhile, we have at least two viable Republicans. Um, (laughs) Remains to be seen what Filano's viability is. And in the modern day Republican Party, it could be much better than anybody would ever want or hope. But, Pat, you also raise a good point here. Like, is this the big brain Republican, like, get to a general election and try to leech off votes from the Democratic candidate with a moderate Republican and let the red blood Republican candidate really sneak through? I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I, I guess I don't really believe in, since uh, the fall of Chris Jacobs, I don't believe in moderate Republicans anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, they left They left the party. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what the strategy is. I, I, what I will say is if there's, if there's four white guys in that race in the general election, Karen Healy Case is going to win. And she's she's gonna win. Or if there's two, if there's two men in that race, uh, she's gonna be able to pull down a certain percentage of of suburban women that the Democratic Party needs to win, um, and she's gonna get uh, you know her base of Republicans. So I think how many how many candidates get independent nominating uh, petitions will also be really really interesting. Um, but I, I think we're, I think we're in a tough spot. But I, I hope we can pull it off. Yeah. Well. We want to talk about now. It's not countywide, although it's facing a former countywide uh, official. Uh, Hamburg Town Supervisor is a race that we've been paying attention to on our show because we love to beat up on stuff on Mahilo. 
Sure. I mean, that was, uh, yeah. I don't know if you listened to our New Year's resolutions, Pat, but one of my New Year's resolutions was to be harder on stuff on Mahilu. That, I, <laughs> that I, I was being too good to him. Just yeah. because he's attractive does not mean we can't hold his feet to the fire. He's a hot guy, but we have to, we have to take it to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I have like a weird thing. It's not all right. So um, I know Stefan a little bit outside of. Sorry, my do- my giant. I have a Newfoundland, and he's decided to start barking. Um, so his like his family I've interacted with because they you know they live in my district, and he's a city kid. He uh, he grew up in the city, so we we know a lot of mutual people. So like outside of all this stuff, he's that he's like not a bad guy to have a beer with. His, like his his wife is a lovely person, and then his poly like. I, I hate to divide the two and, and cop out at all because I like what he's doing. I think is disgusting and awful, and and uh, and and you know he he's earning whatever criticism he gets a hundred percent. But it's just weird to like talk to a person and know their family on the side, and and they're completely one way. And then you hear this dude talking like, "What the? What is wrong with you? What are you doing?" And um, you know he really is the worst political operator in in Western New York and it's, it's pure politics. It's malicious. And it's, you know, it's obviously Trumpian. He's in that Caputo gang and, uh, he cannot get elected to another office again. Yeah. He's got to go. Well, he's, he's got stiff competition this time because they did find Randy Hoke to, to bring out Jim. They found a Hoke. They found a Hoke. <laughs> Corinne doesn't have to change her last name. Right. <laughs> uh, they, they found a hoax to, to come out. Uh, this is the guy that, that Stefan is saying that Polonkar's bribed to run for office. Oh. It's um, absurd. It, mean, is, it, it, it is absurd. If you look at it, the way it looks like to me is that it looks like Hoke wanted to run. The job he had said he couldn't, so he found a new job. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about no. some, somebody who's been bribed to run for office. Why not look at Lynn Dixon, who lost county executive race, had no income, so Stefan in the Stefan in his controller's office created a position for her and now she's running for a controller. Oh no, no, no. He didn't just create a position for her. He created a position and then started her at a step that wasn't legal. So the things he like this is what Republicans do. They do all of these, you know, these awful things, these underhanded things. And then while they're doing them, they scream with, you know, anger and indignation that you're the one doing it. It's it's this complete lack of shame in this game that they they play, and it works. Uh, somehow it works because it's almost like you know the crime you're committing doesn't really matter if you pretend it's not a crime. Like Democrats always seem to, like they kind of like look at their feet when they commit a crime, and everyone's like they're definitely guilty. They definitely did that. And then Republicans are like, what what are you talking about? Like Brett Kavanaugh's like tears uh, of rage that he was being accused of something. It made it look to people. As if he didn't do anything wrong, and Stefan Mahailu, like the height of hypocrisy, accusing Mark Polonkars of, of a political hire for an elected office when it's literally what Stefan Mahailu did, and everybody <laughs> knows it. Right. Well, incredible. Can we just talk? I mean, again, we've talked about this before, but Pat, like Stefan's obsession with Mark Polonkars is bordering on pathological. It. I understand that in the grand scheme of things, Mark Polonkars is ultimately his political rival, but oh my God, every other social media blast, every, everything he puts out is just Polonkars, Polonkars. Like he's obsessed with the dude. 
Well, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not, I don't see them as necessarily being political rivals because Poland Cars doesn't, isn't obsessed with Mahailu, at least overtly, not in the public eye. He doesn't tweet about it. Every one of his Instagram posts isn't about Mahailu. It's kind of like, like if you had like two, two schools, two colleges, and one of them thinks they're rivals with the other one, and the other one doesn't even know the other school exists. This is like a Notre Dame Boston College situation. Like <laughs> Stefan Mahailu's Boston College, and like you know, Mark Polankar has barely acknowledged them. So right, yeah. I, I guess I would say I think it, like some of it makes sense. In my experience, in the when I was a county legislator, is like that's what Mahailu did. That's what Joe Larigo did because Polankar holds the highest elected position in Erie County. Like, and I don't mean just in the Erie County government, but he's the highest office holder in like out of the all local political figures. So Brian Higgins might have more status as a congressman, but really the one with the juice and the jobs and the executive power is Mark Poland cars. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, when Poland cars was, uh, comptroller, you know, he, he, uh, he did, he, I, I wouldn't say he did similar things because he wasn't really, underhanded the way Mahailu's been, but he was going after uh, Chris Collins all the time because uh, one, it was his job to go after the comptroller to hold the executive accountable and two, politically, uh, the Democratic person or, you know, the, the person of the opposite party, if you're in a position to take shots at the executive of the other branch are going to do it or the other, the other party are going to do it. Yeah. I, I will say that one of the ways I think that Poland cars was different when he was controller than Mahilu was that he tended to stick to things that were in the controller's sphere of, of influence as opposed sure. to like this guy goes and plays hockey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have, I mean, I don't have anything to add to that, but yeah. Well, I mean, look like Stefan I, and I get what you guys are saying, but Stefan is not even running for County executive, you know, like he's running for Hamburg town supervisor and yet everything is still about Poland cars all the time. And it's just like, dude, well, if you saw the news this week, it was about Randy Hoke. Cause he, he, he was, he was on like WKPW complaining about Randy Hoke and, and oh, it's a bribe and blah, 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 blah. I mean, he's been, I would say Stefan's been also using his office and you know, the, the power of his office to attack Randy Hoke, uh, mm -hmm. politically and governmentally, who is his political opponent, which again, that is corruption. Like, so what he, so what he's accusing, uh, you know, Poland cars or the you know Poland cars administration of doing he's actually doing he's using his current government office to attack his opponent on a for a different campaign and mm -hmm. so I don't know he's just doing when you when you commit your crimes out in the open nobody seems to say anything about them yeah well Pat um, again we know we have some limited time with you here so we we did the news we did the political stuff. We want to dive in uh, to some some things that are near and dear to our hearts, and you know, in your capacity as a state assemblyman, we have some some bigger questions for you. Um, we want to talk about so big chief thing on my mind, and and a lot of New Yorkers as something that has been talked about, has been thrown around for a long time. We want to ask you where we're at. What do you think about it, etc. I'm talking, of course, folks about. Marijuana legalization. Pat, when's it going to happen, dude? We've been, we've been throwing this around. Andrew Cuomo said in his primary against Cynthia Nixon it was going to happen. We're in 2021. Where the hell is it? Uh, I think it will happen this year. 
that's uh that's i can right. i can tell you it's being worked on and heavily discussed and uh is ryan is ryan the audio technician yeah yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah hey, that's me i, I bring the flavor <laughs> um and, and so i think it will be done this year the challenges that have held it back have been more about the money than anything else so and i don't mean like how much money is new york state going to get uh it's how much money and how much industry is going to be required to be left to the people that uh have been most negatively affected by the criminality of marijuana so pretty much we we don't want marlboro or big liquor big tobacco coming in and swooping up all of the profits there are a lot of people who have suffered uh because of because of the way we have treated marijuana as an illegal drug and uh and those people should get some sort of financial benefit so i think that's it's more of a a progressive hold up than anything else is that we're trying to make sure that it's done right and also you know frankly if people can you know brew beer at in their house you probably should be able to grow a mar- mm-hmm. marijuana plant or, or two as well so i think th- those are those the types of things that are are holding it up yeah, i think it's a but sim- as far as my observations go uh the legalization of marijuana in this way doesn't seem to be hindering anyone's ability to acquire marijuana or use <laughs> I think it's a similar model what you, what you, what you referenced to uh, what they're um, implementing in New Jersey right now, where the the tax revenue is going to, you know, the, the, the neighborhoods and areas where it was affected most by the punitive policies of the past. Yeah, and just business opportunities. Right. So if you've been if you've been, you know, people who've been locked up. I mean, we we did move to expunge records, but people it doesn't undo the time that was taken away from them. It doesn't undo the financial consequences of that. And so to ensure that those those people uh, who were targeted by the government, which, is, you know, honestly, let's like it's it's black and brown people like like white white kids don't don't face the same consequences for, for those crimes, uh, that they should also have economic benefits to this new industry that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, look, not for nothing, just talking about our own area here, I think it's going to be a, a fantastic boon for Buffalo and Western New York. Um, being where we are regionally, that we're close enough to Pennsylvania, that you know we, we are close enough to Canada here, being in a state where we have legal marijuana and, and being the region that we are, like I know we're always looking at new and innovative ways to get you know more tourism or get people through here. And in a post-COVID world, like what the hell is that going to look like? Well, I bet it looks a lot more enticing where we are now in an area with legal marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and we're everywhere, everywhere is going to go this way anyway. So why, why be, you know, late to the party? I'd rather at least get there on time. Right. You know? Right. Um, and so, no, you're, you're, it's a good point that we are, we could be a nexus hub, uh, for, for marijuana, uh, for cannabis distribution. Uh, and it could be a very, there could be real economic benefits that we frankly need. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I expect it to be done. This year, um, I think the, the will is there to do it this year. If it's not done this year, then I would I wouldn't expect it next year. Um, so I, I'd say now now is the time. Cool. What else you got, uh, Pat? Let's talk about you. You also talked about the Skyway, and you want to keep the Skyway as it is. There's been a lot of talk about whether we should tear it down, whether we should leave it as it is, whether we should leave just fucking half of it up and turn it into the, a park. The bridge to nowhere. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Uh. 
you know, tell me a little bit about or talk, tell our listeners a little bit about your reasoning behind uh, keeping the Skyway as a functional highway, as a functional road. Uh, because it is a functional road and <laughs> we just spent uh, like $30 million on redecking it that just got done last year. And then it was something like, I can't remember the exact amount, but uh, when we redid Furman Boulevard and built out the South Towns connector, we kept an elevated highway along Route 5 to feed traffic into uh, the Skyway. And that was, I think, $52, billion or $52 million to do that. So, you know, we're not, we don't, we're not a rich place. We don't have, like, we don't have, like, we can't just do luxury things. In my mind, uh, it would be equivalent if you're a relatively poor family, you've got a okay car, you put all this money to fixing it up so that you can use it for the next five years without too much worry. And then you fall into some money, you need to fix your roof on your house. Instead of fixing the roof on the house, you set your old car on fire and buy a Lexus. Like, what are you doing? Like, no, that's so stupid. Like, we need to do real things. Like, we need real public transportation solutions. Like, if we're getting a windfall of transportation money, the last thing I want to do is spend it on a, a road, tearing down a road that we just fixed. Um, so we could have transformative things that offer real economic development benefits. There was an analysis by... There's a plausibility study uh, commissioned by New York, New York State. It's still on the uh, ESD website. And in its conclusion, it says, tearing down the Skyway will offer no economic benefit. None. The only economic benefit you'll see is uh, that lower part downtown where you could do real estate development. It's also very windy there, so people don't want to necessarily do real estate development there. But even if they did, that's only beneficial to the people who, to the developers who get the land. Right. No one else sees economic benefit there. So, so you're going to take, you know, potentially the money we get for like the next 10 to 20 years, you're going to tear down the signature bridge that we have. Everybody's been clamoring for a signature bridge forever and they forget that we have one. Uh, you can argue that it cuts off the waterfront, but the problem was before they built that bridge for a reason. And it's because the lift bridge, the lift bridges that were there weren't working. Class, traffic was always clogging up there. It was constant problems. So like, do I want highways on our, our, uh, you know, outer Harbor and our waterways? No, of course not, but it was done. And, and the best way to get away from that is to have a functioning public transportation system that gets people around because the, the, the Skyway's life is going to end in about 30 years and it will have to be taken down. So I would like it that we have streetcars again or we are investing in a high speed from Buffalo to Toronto before we tear down the bridge that we just fixed. I think that makes... I, I have to agree with you there. Right, I, I mean, public transportation is abysmal around here. Right. As the kids say, I think a lot of that makes sense. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> the sky, the skyway is ugly i hate looking at it but i mean it's it's it, it is what it is it's here yeah yeah i mean i i've been I, on oh sorry pat i didn't interrupt you but i i've been on record saying i think they should tear it down you do raise a compelling case though i have to hand it to you that there's a lot of other things that the money could go towards um i don't know i know there's been 
famed economist here as I am, but I know there's, as you mentioned, there's been studies about uh, economic feasibility of it, how it wouldn't bring much money to the region. I don't know if I agree with that. I do think that opening up that, uh, that waterfront space, it's more broad potential for bringing in money and, and having that space available than I think that people are giving credit to, but I can't, I can't knock your logic. You're raising pretty good points there. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate that. I, I would only argue like there are, aside from that, there are other negative, there are negative economic development consequences because there's a port there. So, so that waterway brings, uh, brings stuff in, uh, like that, that salt towers there, mm. uh, the uh, general mills ship stuff in and out of there. So all of that will go. So there will be an economic loss because, what are you going to do? Like put the li- the li- a lift bridge takes a while to move. It, it's going to cause it's going to cause problems. It's going to be less. There's going to be less of a reason to use that inner waterway for economic for economic purposes. So, I think there are actually serious economic disadvantages to doing it. On top of the disadvantage of of taking away your opportunity opportunity to do transit oriented development, like we know that along streetcar systems that you know, there, there is more economic activity there. The property values increase along them. Um, being able to move people from point A to point B, allow people to get to school, to get to work. And then, uh, if people don't have to have cars, cars are, have, have begin, begin, uh, have become a, an increasing strain on working people's budgets. And if you don't need a car, you can spend that money elsewhere. So mm-hmm. I think there's just a lot I would love to have like a. I think we would have a full back and forth discussion, and I'll always concede that I'm not 100 percent right on everything, but uh, you know I, I I feel pretty strongly about this one, and I would only say that I I'm not like a there's like a group that is like a we love the Skyway. I'm not saying I love the Skyway, but I actually don't think it's ugly. If you're if you're looking at it from an architecture point of view, I actually think it's pretty amazing, like how it's shaped and how it's designed, and just it is it is a pretty fascinating piece of engineering that 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 was that's pretty unique Mm -hmm. so we almost have the corona relief bill passed in congress it's popular and should help the region out quite a bit uh new york state the executive branch seems inclined to cut services instead of upping taxes on the rich despite the popularity of taxing the rich to fund these big things right now uh can you just comment on where you stand on, on all this from a statewide level yeah uh i mean austerity doesn't work like it just it doesn't work for people. It doesn't work economically. It doesn't work for governments. It might be popular because you've had lazy politicians who've uh, tried to use it for their own benefit. But uh, I guess to go back, so it passed the House. It didn't pass the Senate. Right. Correct. Right. Yep. So um, so we'll see how we'll see what it ends up looking like. I hope it'll be a generous package for New York and for our local governments. There's a lot of need out there and. You know, just in my job, it kind of. There's a couple things that suck about my job, but uh, I would I would say the thing that that sucks the most is you have people who are in like genuine need and who are suffering and come to you because they need resources and help, and you know there's just no way to provide those, and so uh, you know this COVID relief package and a and a package of uh, tax the rich policies, uh, it, it's it's welcome news. 
I, I think we'll we'll get some stuff. I'm really disappointed. It doesn't seem like the stock transfer tax, which to me seemed to be the most logical one, yeah. is going to get done. Uh, so they're they're really worried about uh, you know rich people leaving New York, and I and I think I think billionaires, if we do like billionaire taxes and wealth taxes, like they can easily move to Florida and have that as their permanent residence, and then keep their townhouse in Manhattan for their you know rich you know, enjoy the rich culture and social life of New York uh, without all the taxes and fees. Uh, but the New York Stock Exchange is not moving out of New York State. So uh, I, th- I think I'm worried that we're going to pick we're going to pick the wrong taxes to go with. Like so the stock transfer tax uh, would solve a lot of our problems and it's already implemented. We, we just rebate uh, that tax right now. Um so uh, it's good. It, it's good that this is where the energy is going. I just think we're we're not we're not making again the best governmental or political choice. No, and that's a great point, Pat. Like the concern about rich people leaving New York. I mean, yes, they they functionally already have in a lot of ways. Whether it be Florida, whether it be they have you know they've established residence in in other states or. You know, whether it's companies who set up their their businesses out of Delaware because they're very lax, like most of that has already happened. You know, like, hey, these rich people, they know how to play the game. (laughs) They know when it comes to the taxes, they know exactly where their money needs to be so that they maximize uh, or they minimize the tax hit that they get. So it's a real like it's a real red herring when we talk about people the concern about rich people leaving the state. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. In the last the last millionaires tax, we've actually doubled the amount of millionaires in New York uh, since uh, the last sort of scare tactic that people would leave. My my own, my concern was I think there's like a hundred there's a hundred something. Maybe, I don't know. There's there's a ton of billionaires in New York State, and they're all and they're probably all living in Manhattan. Uh, my my concern was it we do tax we do get a certain amount of tax from these folks as it is. And if you do cross a certain threshold, they have total mobility. Like they, again, they, they can go anywhere. And then if we don't do say the Pieta Terre tax, uh, which taxes second residences, then they could just spend all their time in New York and enjoy the benefits of being a New Yorker and the taxes of being a Floridian. Um, Mm -hmm. They're the only ones who can pull that off. Right. And, and I fear that that's, that's where it will head. Um, but I, again, if, if we can't tax them cause we're afraid they're going to leave, then who gives a shit if they're here, right? Right. I mean, it's, if they're here and they're just soaking up resources and they're not paying in, well, what the hell, what kind of use are they, are they are to anybody anyways? Yeah. To just say we have rich people. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not enough. Right. Deal. So yeah. Pat, uh, I know you're, we're running out of time with you. So, uh, quickly, where can people find you on Twitter? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're on there somewhere, know. yeah. Are, if people want to yell at you, Pat, where can they find you? You have my people, call your people. And All right. No, there's, uh, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't know any of that stuff. Like, I do go on these things, but I, I've, uh, sort of getting away from social media has made my quality of life so much better. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so yeah. much better. Like, mental health is so much better. Like, you know, you take a lot of shots as a politician and, for a while, uh, you know, I, I was trying to be good at like really good and responsive. So I would, but you, you could sit on there all day. So I'll, I'll, I'll sort of make my points so people know where I stand on things. And then I just, I walk away from that stuff. So I don't even know what my 
Twitter names or taglines are. But right. I do have, if you do have people listening, I have a fundraiser coming up on March 10th. And it's, it's a Zoom one, but it's only 15 minutes long because Zoom meetings are awful. Mm. And it's pretty <laughs> oh, much, um, yeah. it's just having a, a pint of Guinness with me. I'm going to do a little Guinness toast at on at 7.13 p.m. So if you reverse that, that would be 3.17, <laughs> which is St. Patrick's Day. Uh, and because we all can't be together again for St. Patrick's Day, it's going to be my quick little painless thing. Have a nice little fundraiser. Have a nice pint. Call it a day. So uh, people can look for that on the social media accounts of mine that I don't know the names of. Well, so I found it's it's Pat Burke and Why is your Twitter Twitter handle? Seems pretty <laughs> seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get that out there that for you, Pat. Um, yeah, here's to next year, St. Patrick's uh, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, huh? oh, it's going to be. Wait. Oh my God! I can't wait. It's going to be messy. Yeah. And biggest day, I'm sure, will be messy. Right. So they're, they're, the, they're, we hope the city repeals the uh, the open container law by then, so that way everybody can enjoy themselves. Yeah. You know, when I was a county legislator, I tried pushing for this broad, like, uh, you know, changing the open container law, uh, you know, ordinances and trying putting it, in, you know, swallowing it up into the county and then letting people, you know, people should be able to have a beer. You know, why can't you walk around and have a beer? That seems that seems a little, a little bit ridiculous. So in other places, sure. Uh, What's that? Yeah, it's done other areas and with in Western New York, in Western New York, East yeah. Aurora, right. Orchard Park. East, no, you, Orchard Park, you, they don't have an open container. Oh, right? okay. Uh, uh, I know East or, Aurora or, does. Or they do, but East Aurora, yeah, you can walk around. Walk. I've seen people in East Aurora like they got a glass of wine, they got a beer, they're walking their dog. Seems like a lovely, you know, lovely lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want that? Yeah. yeah. But you are you are the man who brought us Sunday morning mimosas. We're all enjoying those this morning. So you want to thank you for that. Yep. It was my pleasure to <laughs> to could could you guys have like included some of my greatest hits uh in your mimosas and Yeah, we can uh, go could back you have, and... like an upside down picture of Pence. <laughs> maybe <laughs> what what else? I don't, uh, I don't know. Other stuff. I'm the sure. Microbeads. But... Micro micro beads. Yeah, that was huge. The microbeads. Yes. Some broad some broadband stuff. Some broadband. Ryan. Yep. Ryan, all that all that work. And like eight years later, everyone's like, Yeah, we really do need broadband access. Yeah, funny how that works. Yeah. Good job. But now now more than ever, everyone's working remote. I know. And we're finally getting some competition to spectrum in the area, right? The green light. Mm-hmm. Well, if if only they would have listened to us all those years ago, um, yeah, we'd be way ahead of the curve. I know. It's too bad. Uh, all right. All right, fellas. Thanks, Pat. Right. Thanks, Pat. Thanks. Have a great, great day. Thank you. Yeah. All right. See ya. See ya. Awesome. And, and thanks again to our boy, State Assemblyman Patrick Burke. Yeah. It was great having him on. Um, sorry that he had to go and he couldn't stick with us for the rest of the news of the week, but we got a couple more items that we want to touch on, um, before we let you guys go and enjoy your wonderful March weather. Lousy smart weather. Lousy smart. Yes, yes, no. And, um, as Pat said, you know, we're, we're still virtual. We're not enjoying quite yet all of the lovely things that come with March, like my dear beloved St. Patrick's day, Mm. but Jim, we are getting closer to a light at the end of the tunnel. 
vaccine sites, Jim. They're opening up. They're opening up. You can If you live in certain zip codes in the city of Buffalo, which is most of the zip codes where people in the city of Buffalo actually live, uh, you can go to Delvin Grider and you can get appointments, it seems like, pretty easily right now. And uh, they're going to be opening up the convention center. I mean, we're looking at, I saw uh, with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine being approved oh, yes. for emergency use, that uh, by April 1st, 4 million doses a day, 70 million doses a, a month or something like that. Or I, I think nationally we're up to 50 million people with their first vaccine dose compared to what it was like before Inauguration Day. That's mm-hmm. it's pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, it, you say what you will about the rollout, and, and it, there's certainly some hiccups with it. Yeah. But, I mean, when you're trying to vaccinate every single person in the country, it's going to be difficult. That's logistically a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I mean... I think it's logistically a nightmare. Just if you had a, if you had a plan, just Erie County, that's a headache. Trying to plan for 320 million people. Good luck. Yeah, it's just you know, there's getting the vaccine to places and taking care of it, making sure the environmentals are fine, but also like people learning how to administer it at a local level, right? Right, that takes time too. Yeah, and people, you know, you have to have like seven appointments just in case <laughs> one falls through. Don't forget. Yeah, and and listen, like I know a lot of people so I, I again i just had my first shot um everything's fine i, I do have now a proclivity a proclivity i didn't have before for the microsoft office suite of products i now think they're great <laughs> but otherwise i mean you know you've was, been talking about clippy non-stop since uh, yes then. wow yes clippy is bay but i no listen i went to syracuse for my first vaccine the next day they opened up all those delavan grider appointments so personally, am I a little bit annoyed? Yes, because then I have to drive back to Syracuse in three weeks for the second round. So not ideal for me personally. However, for society, it's pretty great. And I will say this. There are a lot of people our age, like the 20s, 30s, early 40s or whatever, who are of the opinion, well, and I don't know if I want to get my vaccine now, even though, you know, I'm eligible for it, blah, blah, blah. Listen. Do it. Get the shot. Ryan Snake is our our resident in-house epidemiologist, okay? And he has informed me that there is no bad person to get a vaccine. Mm -hmm. It's not... Anybody getting a vaccine ultimately helps lead us to herd immunity, Mm -hmm. helps make it so that, you know, everybody's grandmothers are a little bit safer because there's less people walking around with the chance to get COVID. That's right, folks. It's coming from the snake's mouth. Right. Straight from the snake's mouth. Well, and the other thing, too, is, okay, you think, well, I have some condition, you know, that technically puts me on the list, but I don't really think I'm high risk. Hey, I got news for you. We don't know what the fuck this virus does. We don't know the long-term implications. We don't know, like, maybe the condition that you have that you don't think is a big deal, you could actually be hit pretty hard once, you know, they do the long-term studies and the long-term effects. Mm -hmm. So if you are fucking eligible, go. Go, go, go. Get your shot. We can all hang out again. We can all have a freaking St. Patrick's Day again. We could do stuff. Please get vaccinated if you are eligible. You are, you're not the wrong person. If you think you're the wrong person, you are wrong. You are the correct person to get it. Get your goddamn vaccine if you can. That's right. One place you're not going to get the vaccine, Hotel Henry. <laughs> but maybe that'll change. Or, or get paid for your work. Or get paid for your work unless you let, enjoy a bottle of wine for your entire shift. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> depends on the night. It depends on the wine. Yeah. Yeah, what's going on at the Hotel Henry? I mean, I know, you know, we are hearing a lot, a lot of really negative press. Like you said, Snake, uh, 
they're not paying their people. They weren't paying their people. Is that what was going on? Yeah. Uh, there's well, snakes is supposed to answer. Oh, by all means. No, no, no. I, I, I'm just going to shut up and drink. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, stealing tips, right? You're not paying out wages, giving bottles of wine instead of, you know, actual money for however many hours worked. Um, sounds like a pretty dire situation for the workers there. I'm not sure where that money was going, but it sounds like uh, our, our, our boy, Doug, Jemel, Jamal. Jamal, Jamal. The Doug. 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 Doug, Doug, Dougie J. Dougie J. Yeah, the Wiz. The Wiz. The Wiz. The Wiz. He's going to swoop in and save the place. Yep. Sounds like that's that's his next big project. Yeah. He's pro- gonna, pro- hopefully another casino. Yeah, hopefully it's all casinos. Yeah. It's uh, casinos all the way down. Yeah. Dude, it'd be crazy if he, like, I mean, at this point, he's just trying to, like, drum up whatever positive press he can get. So I, I think that he, didn't he say that he would return the couple who their uh, wedding deposit didn't get refunded? Like if he bought it, he would return their deposit. It, not only that, he said that, that they're going to be able to, he's going to return their deposit and they're going to be able to have their wedding either at Hotel Henry or at the Statler. Okay. That, that's a nice thing to do if he follows through with that. Yeah. And then everybody can go down to the casino afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Five, you, you get a hundred dollars in chips for the yeah, slots. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, that's that's your wedding gift. Everybody get, gets a five dollar token. <laughs> oh well, hey, listen, that'd be cool. Again, you know, we have some reservations about uh, Dougie Fresh, but do you, do you think in the fine print, what's that thing they used to do in medieval times, prima prima nocta? Mm. Oh boy, do you think that's in the fine print at yes. all? <sighs> yeah, okay, Whew. yeah. Whew. Official position of the square, not in favor of no, Prima Nocta. Prima yeah. Nocta, bad. No. That's bad. Doug, don't do it. If you're listening That's to this. That's bad. We do not endorse that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't even know. How do you pivot from Prima Nocta? Uh, well, we're going to try. So, in other local news, we have a... Speaking of Prima Nocta. Nope. Nope. Oh. We are not. We're oh. done speaking about that, right? Okay. Um, so, I, I, I know we, we discussed a lot of big... Um, political things in the area. Uh, we don't really focus on the news media as much just because what the hell is there to say? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what do we say about our awful news media here? Whether it's the Buffalo news, which is basically just every day I look at it, it's becoming more and more of like, it's indistinguishable from Fox news. Truthfully, it's really painful to watch our beloved, incredible newspaper that did just some like groundbreaking reporting on things like poverty um, in this country and, and just was renowned for being like a great publication turn into just a rag, um, a dirty wet rag. It's awful. The Buffalo news is awful. The, um, you know, for, forget the television reporting, right? Like most of it is just so painful to watch. You know, you throw it on, it's on TV, the 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock news, whenever I am actually have it on the cable to watch it. It's just like, this shit sucks. Can I, can I just rant a bit about all the, the crazy ads on the Buffalo News website now? Please. Oh, my God. It's just like I'm reading through an article, something pops up. I mean, you know, and then they have the smallest X's to exit out of the ads. I'm just like, oh, man. And then I actually click on the ad. It takes me away from the article. I just, I just can't, I can't stand the, the Buffalo News site right now. It, it's uh, the, the website extremely is extremely inconvenient. Right, the articles are awful. Like it really, oh. uh, it's just like don't get me started. Uh, it, it's bad. But one person in local news media was a beacon of light, and somebody who was frankly, you know, 
intelligent in illuminating and really sort of held a lot of people's feet to the fire and it was a positive source of attention and you know somebody who just was really connected here in buffalo and made you proud to say like hey we have reporters like this in buffalo is madison carter we didn't deserve her no and madison carter now as to be expected is moving on and and best of luck to her um truly you know we are i I think i could speak for all of us here that we're all big fans of her reporting Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean i'm excited for her and i'm also sad that like hey we're gonna be the uh the stopping point for people like that they're not gonna stick around long right no it's it's a shame that we're losing her um but good for her i hope that i hope the next place she goes treats her better than she was treated in buffalo yeah yeah and you know working for channel 7 wkpw uh, wkbw excuse me you know she had I don't want to say she she had enough leeway at times, but it became pretty obvious t- closer to the end of her tenure that she was being told that that's not the way things are done here. Mm-hmm. That expressing her opinions and um, you know reporting the way she did is not something that was going to be acceptable company policy in here in Western New York, and it's just like it's it's very deflating. Mm-hmm. It's it's deflating that one we have a black woman basically being told like, Hey, sorry, that's not what we want out of you. Right. It's also deflating that like, again, like it wasn't just the Buffalo news. There was a time where we were a pretty vibrant hub for like pretty, pretty awesome news sources, man. Back when art voice was good back when the daily beast was interesting. Like there was a lot of not only mainstream good media, but also like alternative media. And that's just all gone. Mm -hmm. Investigative post is pretty good. That's lingering around, but that's it. But it doesn't have, and and we're huge supporters of investigative post, but that doesn't have the kind of distribution that we're talking about. Right. You know, like our voice used to have like daily beast used to have like all these things had big time distribution. Now it's pockets. Everything is just a small pocket Mm -hmm. and the big stuff is just so bland and terrible and corporate. And, you know, it doesn't really focus on, I think issues that are relevant to a lot of people in Western New York. No. So that's our good news. And uh, for the day, you're welcome, everyone. Well, yeah. Make sure that that, that lifts you through the rest of your week. Um, yeah, no, sorry. Sorry for the bummer guys, but Hey, listen, positive here is Madison Carter props to you. Yeah. Happy trails. She's got to be feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever, wherever, uh, wherever it takes you. I don't know where, if she's announced where she's going next, but no, I, I don't think she's announced. I was just checking her Twitter and doesn't seem to have announced where she's going to, just that she was formerly at WKBW. Uh, but best of luck to her and um, big fans going to try to follow your career at, you know, from afar, unfortunately from afar. Uh, again, thanks to Pat for being our guest this week. Thank you, Pat. Uh, Assemblyman Burke, 142nd District. Uh, go, go enjoy a Guinness. He, his campaign will literally bring a Guinness to your house. Right. So, so to the people like to the people listening overseas or in other <laughs> states, make yeah, sure. You, yeah, I didn't. I didn't see any limitation on the right on I the delivery. On the, it just said that they're going to deliver a Guinness to your house. <laughs> All right. So you know, if you happen to be one of our listeners in Charlotte, what, sign up, baby. What if we have listeners in Ireland? And we bring him an American Guinness. And we bring him an They'd American be so Guinness. Pissed. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'd be so yeah, mad. Yeah, that'd be great. What's this widget doing? Yeah, right. 
I'd be so mad if I got one. <laughs> it, it, like a, a can of Guinness that was like imported from Ireland to America, and yeah. then you bring it back. Got, got warm on the plane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, folks, yeah. No, glad you hung out with us this week. Uh, I had a lot of fun, and yeah, we'll keep it moving, man. Please, like I said, get vaccinated if you can. Mm-hmm. Social distance, do all the stuff. We want to be out in the world again. Yeah, go out, go out on St. Patrick's Day. Don't worry about anything, even if you haven't gotten vaccinated. Just go, <laughs> go have fun. I, I we've had enough. Right. Just, it's it's. I, I'm too bored. I can't stay inside anymore. Yeah, enough's enough. Okay. Right. Yeah, just go hug everyone. No, you know, I, have your own parade on Delaware. Right, lick everybody's puke, eyeballs. Puke in an alley. Right, on somebody. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. on somebody. Not their shoes, but like on their shirt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> While they're wearing it, just just spread that bug all over. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, guys, uh, where can we find everybody on social media? Let's do the thing. <laughs> oh well, um, you can find Snake at the Real Ryan Steel on Twitter. You can find me at James Tamil on Twitter or Battle Jim of the Republic on the Instagrams. And I'm not giving any of you Cretans any of my social media info, but instead I encourage you to follow at the Square Pod Buff. Were you Reed or Reed, were you a Tumblr person? I was not a Tumblr person. I was no. always kind of scared of Tumblr. GeoCities. GeoCities. I was a GeoCities person <laughs> when I was a kid. When you could make your own website. Yeah, that was cool. Oh man. Like I made like everybody the thing was like you made your own little Harry Potter <laughs> themed website for some mm-hmm. reason. Uh-huh. I don't know why. But a lot of people did it. Why not? And it was fun. I I, I, do, I did not retain any of that like HTML well, coding or well, whatever. Let's see if we can get JK Rowling on the show. J- <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> JK Rowling. Uh-huh. Uh, not not a friend of the pod. You know, not- those are the days. Those are the that's the wild west of the internet. Yeah. You know, and now it's all social media and rotting everyone's brains. There was a certain exciting element, you know, of individuality and creativity back then. Mm-hmm. You can, the, the world was your oyster. Do you guys remember that website? Like, if you clicked something, it would take you to a random website? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forget what the name of it was. It was so much fun. you just stay on it for hours, and you'd, like, find weird shit on the internet. Now it's just, like, all Google. Chat roulette? Yeah. It's chat Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Come on, dude. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Ham- hamster dance. Hamster dance. The old, the old hamster dance. Now the only thing you can do at random is you can go with Google Maps and you can to play the game to where they they put you they show you a picture from the roadway and you try to guess where on the where in the world it is and they tell you how many miles away from uh, hmm. where it was you, you when you guessed. You ever play this game? No. Oh no. Yeah, you can do this. You go to Google Maps and you're like, all right. Uh, show me something and you can you can move back and forth to a certain amount on the map so you can try to like find signs or, or get some notification but it just puts you somewhere where they've been with their vehicle so that they they've got the the uh, street google street view and you get to guess and you can be like all right i'm gonna say that i'm in chernobyl and they're like sorry jokes on you you're in tunisia <laughs> oh, okay well shout out again to google maps yeah <laughs> uh no yeah Please, let's get Google Maps on the show. Google Maps. I'd love to. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, Google Maps. Thank you again for listening, guys. Follow us at SquarePodBuff on Twitter. We are the Square Podcast on Facebook. SquarePod. SquarePod on Mm -hmm. Facebook. We can also be found. We are on Stitcher now. I didn't realize. I put us on Stitcher, and I said we weren't on there. You can find us on there. I think it's Square, Square, the Square 2 or something like that. There's another Square... That I'm assuming nobody much listens worse square. to. Right. Much, yeah. much We're worse. the better square. They just right. got there first. Mm-hmm. 
they're whatever. squatting. They're squatters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're we're on we're on Google Podcasts. We're on uh, Apple uh, iTunes, whatever the hell you call it. Spotify. Spotify. We're on, and uh, our main source is SoundCloud. Yeah. So please, however you listen to us, whatever whatever you do, keep it up. Tell your friends. Say hey, you know, I, I Square Square Podcast. You ever hear them? They're pretty good. I like it. The rap.